So tonight's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to... I'm going to talk how I resolved um, food, right? You know, um, something that's not really, really talked about at all. You know, we just think that we can do whatever we want. Messiah did everything for us. So pretty much everything left of Matthew, except for the Big Ten and uh that gay thing and uh tithing tithing is not even the big 10 but you know those those ones those ones are important um the rest of everything is is totally circumstantial who cares right it doesn't it doesn't seem to matter and so um this is how i'm going to resolve it this is you know this is this is like my journey and um these are my notes and how i kind of got through it um, my the the first big one obviously is going straight to to, to Mark uh, seven eighteen, and you know that's that's everybody's favorite kind of go to verse. Oh look, see he said, you know it doesn't matter what goes in the body that defiles you, but you know what comes out of your heart. Blah 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 blah. That's what defiles you. See he made all foods clean there, and the stupidity of that 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 statement is that he wasn't talking about food at all. The Pharisees come and they talk to him and they're like, why aren't you doing, you know, uh, man, I should have prepared a little better. There's a, there's a sacred hand washing ritual that they do where you pour left hand, you pour right hand, you pour left hand, you pour right hand. And it's a part of, you know, their, their tradition, you know, as, uh, I don't know what you would call them, maybe Jews or Hebrews at the time. I'm not sure what they would really identify as, but that was something that they had in their tradition and they were talking to Messiah, why aren't you doing that? He wasn't specifically talking, why are you guys all out there eating some bacon, you know, ham on rye? Because we all damn well know that if there was anything wrong with his ministry that actually broke Torah, he'd be done already. So if that's not what he's doing, that's not what he's teaching, what is the answer there? And so I'm I'm going to read through it and then you know it's 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 really bad it's it's just stupid like I I don't know how I found myself in this trap you know and and it's just we're just we're just not schooled well you know that's just really what it comes down to we just don't have any actual understanding so we're just going to go through it right here let me find where it it starts <clears throat> I'm going to be reading out of the scriptures version. And I believe, let me look at my book. I think this, yeah, this is the 2009. Sorry, I don't have any 98 for super rabbis out there. So let's see if I can get this in a good spot. There we go. Okay. And the Pharisees, this is, this is basically at Mark 7. Where I'm going to start at the very beginning. Okay. And the Pharisees and some of the scribes assembled to him, capital him, having come from Yerushalayim. And seeing some of his taught ones eat bread with defiled, that is, unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Yehudim do not eat unless they wash their hands thoroughly, holding fast the tradition of the elders. So I'm just going to stop there for a sec and just look. They're not even talking about what they're eating. They're talking about 
how they're eating. That's really important. Okay, and coming, there's it's uh, italics for the coming. That's an inserted word. From the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other italics traditions, as inserted, which they have received and hold fast. The washing of cups and utensils, copper vessels, and couches. <laughs> then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your taught ones uh, do not, wait, yeah, why do your taught ones not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands. <laughs> and he answered and he said to them, well, Yeshiahu prophesied concerning about hypocrites, you hypocrites. As it was written, these people respect me and with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain do they worship me, teaching as teachings the commands of men. Okay. So he's going to make a big statement there that's really, really coming home about the law of man versus the law of God, right? From Elohim. That a tradition, if you're going to find fault with somebody not following your tradition, you've raised that to like commandment level. And that's what he's attacking here. Okay. So let me see here. Um, verse eight. Forsaking the command of Elohim, you hold fast the tradition of men. And he said to them, Well, do you set aside the command of Elohim in order to guard your tra tradition? For Moshe said, Respect your father and mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is Corban, that is, a gift, quotations, right? In parentheses. You are no longer, um, you no longer let him do any matter, italics matter, at all for his father or mother. Okay. So this guy, he's basically, you know, not having to like bless his parents with money, right? He can just do whatever he wants with his money. You know, but he doesn't, he doesn't have to help them. Nullifying the word of Elohim through your tradition, which you have handed down. And as such, or as many such traditions you do. Right. And I, I have to, I had to figure out like Corban. I should have, I should have prepared a little better for that. But if I'm not mistaken, it's just like they've already made like a vow, you know, that they're going to do something with this money. And then if their parents were ever in need, they're like, no, you, you can't have that money. I've already set it aside. It's, it's, it's God's, you know, so they're, they're giving away their money instead of blessing their parents with it, you know, or, or helping, you know, their parents. Right. And so he continues in, in verse 14, and calling the crowd to him, he said to them, hear me, everyone, and understand, right? Now he's going to really, he's going to talk it through. There is no matter that enters a man from outside, which is able to defile him, right? But it is what comes out of him that defiles the man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he went down from the crowd into the house, his taught ones asked him concerning the parable. And he said to them, are you also without understanding? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside is unable to defile him? Because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purging all foods, right? Like it's like, okay, so that he ate it, and he pooped it out, and it's gone, right? And he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of a heart, out of the heart of men, 
proceed evil reasonings, adulteries, whorings, murderers, thefts, greedy desires, wickedness, deceit, indecency, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these wicked matters, italics matters, uh, come from within and defile a man. And rising up from there, he went into the border to soar into Sidon and entering into a house he wished no one to know about it. And it was impossible to be hidden. Right. And so, you know, everybody, this like, this is like the verse to go and die on. Right. Because if you want to go read in the uh, non inspired version, NIT, or excuse me, not NIT, uh, NIV or NLT, you know, some people are really nice and they put this little parenthesis in there and they insert. Thus, Messiah declares all foods clean. And, you know, what's really interesting here is if you use the Strong's and you're trying to find Tom, Tame and Tahor, right? Clean and unclean. The, uh, the word in there is defile, right? It's still not the same word. And so I'm, I'm going to do a better word study on specifically defile, but I don't think it really has, has anything in there with that. Like none of that meeting. He's, he's not talking about food, you know, or a state of person, right? Like he's talking about you being trash, you're defiled, you're, you're an abomination, right? And so, you know, things that enter you don't make you abominable, right? Like I, I, we're going to get into uh, Leviticus 11 later, you know, verses 11 and, and verses 20, there's abomination in there. They're an abomination to you, okay? It doesn't make you abominable. So it doesn't seem like things that you would put in your body make you abominable. But, you know, we'll get into that. And so I I really wanted to get into this verse because, like, like everybody dies on it. You know, it's, it's, their, it's their go-to. See, look, he, he, made, he made everything clean. Where did he say the word clean? Did he say something made you clean or he declared things clean? He did not. What he said was that this doesn't make you defiled. We can use the word unclean there if you want. I don't think it's it's safe, but sure, okay? But again, he's still not talking about food. Things can enter your body and all sorts of things. You can get stabbed. How come nobody's saying it's safe to be stabbed now with a spear, the sword, you know, with someone's finger, right? Let's just start kind of going through that, right? What if, you know, this is kind of gross. What what if a man enters you? Does that defile you? Think about that. Okay. Because I mean, if if we're gonna if we're gonna use equal weights and measures, something that we're supposed to do all the time, okay, then you know those kinds of statements they they should ring a little true if you're gonna go that weird with it. But I'm gonna do something that probably nobody really goes. They're like, oh, I go to Mark. Okay, let's go to Matthew. How about that? Because this exact thing is written in another book. And we can confirm it, right? With another person. Let's go to Matthew, okay? Matthew chapter 15, verse 20. Okay? Oh, I got helicopters now. Nice. Let's see here. Come on. Wow, that's really loud. 
Come on, Matthew. There you go. Okay, Matthew 15 and verse 20. Right, okay, so so he actually finishes his thought over here, right? He still has the same thing. There they came to Yeshua, scribes and Pharisees from Yushalayim. This is verse verse 1 in chapter 15. Why do your ta taught ones transgress the tradition of the elders? Blah, 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 right? And then he, he okay, we're just going to jump way ahead, right? Okay, so you remember he was finished, just thought, you know, whoring and adulterers and stuff, right? So verse 19, for out of the heart comes forth wicked reasonings, murders, adulteries, whorings, thefts, false witnesses, excuse me, false witness scenes, slanders. These defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. And he said it right there. He finished the thought. Right? It's a word that's a little bit different. It's a different account. But it, it rings true in Mark as well. You can, you can tell that he's not talking about food. He's talking about tradition. And the tradition, the way they teach it, and they raise it to God commandment level, is that it makes you dirty. If you don't, if you don't wash your hands before you eat, you become Tame. Hmm. Right? Then you're going to go, okay, but you know what? You know what? I remember this thought, right? Okay. Well, well let's go to Peter, right? He's got vision. God's like, eat the stuff. I remember I used that too. I was dumb. That's over in Acts. Let's just fly over to Acts now, right? That one's that one's Acts 10, verses 7 through 17. Let's see here. Come here. Oh, I love it when it's split. Okay. I mean, a, a chapter, chapter 10, verse 1, right? There's a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. Blah, blah, blah. He's called an Italian regiment, dedicated, etc. right? So, I'm just trying to give it a little context. And when the messenger who spoke to him went away, and this should be uh, Kepha, you know, Peter, Cornelius called two of his household servants and dedicate, dedicated soldier from among those who waited on him continually. And having explained to them all, he sent them to Yafo, and on the next day, as they were on their way approaching the city, Kepha went up to the house to pray. And about the sixth hour, he became hungry and wished to eat. But while they were preparing, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened up, and a certain vessel, like a great sheet, bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth in which there were all kinds of four-footed beasts of the earth. Notice he didn't say food and wild beasts and creeping italics creatures right here and the birds of the heaven. And a voice came to him, rise up, Kepha, slay and eat. But Kepha said, not at all, master, because I have never eaten whatever's common or unclean. And a voice came to him, italics came, Again, the second time, what Elohim has cleansed, you do not consider common. Interesting choice of words there. And this took place three times, and the vessel was taken back to heaven. And while Kepha was doubting within himself about what the vision might mean, 
because God's not going to give him a vision that says, now you can eat whatever you want, because that would make God a liar, saying that things were clean and unclean, Tame and Tahor. Look, the men who had sent from Cornelius, having asked for the house of Shimon, stood at the gate. Right? And we can continue on. And you can read about, and he talks about them. He talks to them, but he actually resolves this, right? He resolves it in, in verse 19. And as Kepha was thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, see three men seek you, but rise up, go down and go with them, not doubting at all, for I have sent them. So then he went, right? Look, I'm the one you seek. Why have you come? And they have a conversation and it's going to resolve right there in verse 28. And he said to them, you know that a Yehudai, a Jewish, right? A Jewish man is not allowed, not allowed to associate with or go to a, to one of another race. But Elohim has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Interesting. So the vision he's given is that God, Elohim, he's allowed to cleanse people. Hmm. Which starts to bring room for Shaul's ministry, of course. You know, where he's going to bring the good news to not the Yehudim, right? The Gentiles, the nations. But notice that Peter, even up to this time, this is an axe. Messiah is dead. He's already died on the cross. He's already, he's been the uh, <clears throat> Passover lamb, you know, the last thing. So all your sins are washed away, etc. You can just do whatever you want now because it's, woo, send life ahead, right? Nope. But how about, how about this last one? This, this, this other one I got, I got Romans 15, 14, three. You know, and that's where, that's where, you know, you learn that you're not supposed to, you know, you can't judge people for what they eat, right? He said, you know, Shaul says that. So he can get in there and, and, and just, you know, make up anything that he wants, right? He can, he can just blaspheme or whatever, right? He can just nullify the word of God. But that's not what it, it's interesting. He's not talking specifically like you're allowed to eat foods. It's not what he says. Okay. So I'm going to start at chapter 14, verse one. And receive him who is weak in the belief. Weak, weak. Not criticizing italics his, that's inserted, thoughts. Okay. So new believers, don't criticize them. They're new. They're learning. They're learning the the way of, you know, the laws that Moshe has, you know, well, not Moshe, but <laughs> the Torah that Moshe brought to them from God, right? One indeed believes to eat all, but one who is weak only eats vegetables. Hmm. He that eats, let him not despise him who does not eat. Okay. So a person that's eating shouldn't des despise the person that doesn't eat. Weird. And he that does not eat, let him not judge he who eats. Okay, so it doesn't matter if you're eating or not eating, whatever it is. Don't judge them. They're weak in their faith. They're learning. 
It's not your place to correct people. It's basically what he's saying. For Elohim received him, right? And this gets resolved all the way in 13. And he says, therefore, therefore, all these things that you're supposed to, you know, let go and just, you're supposed to work on you. Therefore, let us not judge one another any longer, but rather judge this. Not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in our brother's way. Dang. You want to judge anything? Judge that thing that you're doing, that you're saying, that you're criticizing people over? That's making them stumble in their walk. It is not your place ever, ever to try to criticize somebody for their walk. It's theirs, not yours. If you're the covering, maybe, but that's a whole nother thing. This is just for food right now. What I find really interesting, this this one this one just kind of got me because I was going through the strongs and just kind of trying to just get get a basic good understanding here, you know, the uh, the Tahor word, right? Strongs identified it. It's used about hundred and thirty three times throughout Scripture, and then Tameh, unclean. These are just the single words, not like cleanliness or cleansing or anything. These are just the two. Tame is used 194 times that he's identified. Okay. How many times is it talked about in the Brit? Like three. Three times. All the rest of it's at the beginning where all the instructions at. That's where it's at. Everybody in the Brit already has this understanding, this basis, this baseline. This is food and this isn't food. Period. End of story. You know, it's 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 interesting. It comes down to like it comes down to, you know, authority. If he said it, you're going to do it. Otherwise, you're really not his child, right? You're not a child of God. You're not a child of Elohim. Because we listen to our fathers. Good fathers, the best, the goodest, the, the most besterest, right? That's the one you should be listening to. He tells you what to do. He has an expectation. It's frustrating. And so, you know, most of the people I've talked to, they, they don't even know. They don't even know how to go to Leviticus 11. Not at all. What do you mean? <laughs> That's the old. We're in the new. Okay. It's not like like version one and then version 2.0. It's all version one. You got Peter over there and he's still keeping version one. Messiah's gone. What's up with that? We can, I should have probably had that other one where there's Paul, right? Shaul. And he's going to Rome. He's going to, he's going to get his ass slayed. And he's sitting there and he says that he hasn't done anything to break anything for anyone, Jew or Gentile. 
So if he kept the Yehudim law, what does that mean? What is all his teachings? Oh, you can... No. He says he never broke any. So be careful with that. So I'm going to read 11. I'm going to read it all. Because this is, this is the instruction. You are expected to know this and to understand it. And I love the way it ends, right? This chapter is beautiful. This one finishes well. Like some of them, like in Leviticus, da 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 and then don't, don't sleep with your mom, and then da 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 you know, this is how you treat your neighbor. You're like, wait, what? What 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 is having sex with my mom having anything? You know, and so this one's actually just full in its its context, right? And Yahweh spoke to Moshe and to Aharon, saying to them, Speak to the children of Yisrael, saying, These are the living creatures which you do eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. <laughs> Whatever has a split hoof completely divided, chewing the cud among the beasts that you do eat. Only these do you not eat among those that chew the cud or those that have a split hoof. The camel, because it chews the cud but does not have a split hoof, it is unclean to you. And the rabbit, because it chews the cud but does not have a split hoof, it is unclean to you. And the hare, because it chews the cud but does not have a split hoof, it is unclean to you. And the pig, though it has a split hoof, completely divided, yet does not chew the cud, it is unclean to you. Their flesh you do not eat, and their carcasses you do not touch. They are unclean to you. These you do eat of all that are in the waters. Anyone that has fins and scales in the waters. That's fresh water, salt water, anything that quote-unquote, quote-unquote right here, that are in the waters. Does that mean alligators too? Leviathan? Godzilla? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. In the waters, in the seas, or in the rivers that you do eat. But all that have not fins and scales in the seas and the rivers and all that move in the waters or any living being which is in the waters, they are an abomination to you. That's pretty pretty strong right there. Okay? They are an abomination to you of their flesh you do not eat and their carcasses you abominate. All that have not fins or scales in the waters are an abomination to you. And these you do abominate. Among the birds, they are not eaten. They are an abomination. The eagle and the vulture and the black vulture and the hawk and the falcon after its kind. Every raven after its kind and the ostrich and the night hawk and the seagull and the hawk after its kind. And the little owl and the fisher owl and the great owl and the, the white owl and the pelican and the carrion vulture. And the stork and the herion after its kind and the hoopy, hoopé and the bat. All the flying insects, <laughs> all the flying insects that creep on all fours is an abomination to you. All fours, right? It doesn't say all six. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that includes ants. 
Only these you do eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours. Those which have jointed legs above their feet and which they, uh, which to leap on the earth like grasshoppers, right? These are them you do eat. The arbaha, inserted word here, locust after its kind, and the locham, locust, inserted after its kind, and the hargol, inserted locust, after its kind, and the hagabach, hagabav, locust after its kind. But all other flying insects which have four feet are an abomination to you. Hmm. And these you are made unclean. By, and by these you are made unclean. Now, now we're getting to a part where you get made unclean. Anyone touching, touching the carcasses of any of them is unclean until the morning. So you touch them, you're unclean. And anyone picking up a part of the carcass of any of them that has, has to wash his garments and shall be unclean until the evening. So if you went and touched it, you don't have to wash your garments. But now you picked it up. Okay, now you got to wash your garments and then you're also still unclean till the evening. Every beast that has a split hoof, not completely divided or does not chew the cud is unclean to you. Anyone touches who touches their carcass is unclean. And whatever goes on its paws among all the creatures that go down on all fours, those are unclean to you. You know, cats, dogs, right? Anyone who touches this, their carcasses is unclean until evening. And he who picks up their carcass has to wash his garments and shall be unclean until evening. Mm. They are unclean to you. And these are unclean to you among the creeping creatures that creep on the earth. The mole and the mouse and the tortoise after its kind. And the gecko and the land crocodile and the sand reptile and the sand lizard and the chameleon. These are unclean to you among all that creep. Anyone who touches them when they are dead becomes unclean until evening. And whenever, uh, whatever any of them is in its dead state falls upon becomes unclean. Yeah. So when, when one of these animals dies or whatever and they fall on stuff like they, okay, now I wouldn't fell on my driver's seat. It becomes unclean, whether it is wooden object or garment or skin or sack or any object in which work is done. It is put in water and it shall be unclean until evening. Then it shall be clean. So now you gotta go wash it. And then you have to wait until evening. Any earthen vessel in which any of them falls, whether it becomes an unclean and you break it. Now you have to break it. So you fell into like, like it, it fell into your cup. Okay. You got to break your cup. You can't wash it. It doesn't say you wash it. Any of the food in which uh, might be eaten on which water comes becomes unclean. <laughs> I don't understand that one. Any of the food which might be eaten on which water comes. So like if you had food and then it rained on it, I guess it becomes unclean. And any drink which might be drunk from it becomes unclean. Okay. So if, you know, you you made uh you had rainwater that touched a dead thing. You can't you can't it's all bad. It's done. That makes sense. And on whatever any of their carcasses falls becomes unclean. An oven or cooking range that is broken down, they are unclean and unclean to you. Now you can't even clean your oven. 
But a fountain or well, a collection of water is clean, but whatever touches their carcass is unclean. And when any, inserted word there, of their carcasses falls on any planting seed, which is to be sown, it is clean. Hmm. But when any water is put on the seed and any part of such carcass falls on it, it is unclean. So as, as soon as you insert water into problem, bigger problem. And when any of the beasts in which you're, uh, which are yours for food, yeah, so any beast which is yours for food, so you got like sheeps and lambs, and or that's the same thing, excuse me, goats, etc. Um, and your food dies, he who touches its carcass becomes unclean. So even if it was, if it was a clean animal now, right? Because it's for food and you touch its carcass, now you're unclean. And when any of the beasts which are, yeah, excuse me, and, and he who eats of its carcass has to wash his, wash his garments and shall be unclean until evening. And he who picks it up, picks up its carcass has to wash his garments and shall be unclean until evening. Sounds like you need a cleaning crew. And every swarming creature, insert a word, creature, the one that swarms on the earth is an abomination. It is not eaten. So swarming, you know, like a swarm of locusts, a swarm of flies, etc. Whatever crawls on its stomach and whatever goes on all fours, insert a word all, and whatever has many feet among all swarming creatures, insert a word creatures, the ones swarming on the earth, these you do not eat, for they are an abomination. You do not make yourselves abominable with any swarming creature, the one swarming, and do not make yourselves unclean with them, lest you defile, you, lest you be defiled by them. So it looks like not only you become unclean, but you have another level being defiled. I think that comes back from whatever enters a man can't defile him. For I am Yahweh, your Elohim, and shall set yourselves apart. And you shall be set apart, for I am set apart. And do not defile yourselves with any swarming creature, the one creeping on the earth. For I am Yahweh, who is bringing you up out of the land of Mitzrayim to be your Elohim and shall be set apart, for I am set apart. This is the Torah of the beasts, the law of the beasts, and the birds and every living being, the creeping creature in the waters and every being that swarms on the earth. This is the most important part. If you get anything out of here, verse 47, to make a distinction between the unclean and the clean, between the living that is eaten and the living that is not eaten, period. He can't change. If he does... He, he's a liar. He's set apart. He's calling you to be set apart. You don't do what everybody else does. That's what makes you set apart. It's just, it's just beautiful. You know, like I didn't, it, I remember when I struggled years ago and I was like, oh, I gotta read Leviticus. Leviticus sucks. And now it's the most beautiful thing I've ever read. It's just, it has wealth of knowledge in it. It's amazing. I like to know. It's very, like, there's there's a lot of, like, defined variables in here. You know, we have all the birds, you know, like, 
<laughs> of course, we don't have all the birds because we don't know. It's weird. But you know all fish, right? Like anything in the waters, it has to have fins and scales, period, in a story, easy win. If you can't see scales on it and it has fins, like a shark, okay? Nope, can't eat it, okay? What about, you know, the split hoof, but doesn't chew the cud, you know? It's your pigs. Nope, okay? What if it chews the cud but doesn't have a split hoof? Nope. You know, that's like rabbits and stuff, right? And then what about the things on all fours, like the predators, right? Nope. Dogs? Nope. Cats? Nope. It's really starting to limit things. But it's a good thing because you're defined. You know what you can do. The birds, not so much, don't know. Like, I don't see turkey in there. Yes or no, I don't see that. Chicken, yes or no, I don't know. Now you have to fall back on tradition. That's a little bit scary. I think you could look at it as a general consensus that it seems like the things that are unclean, that are tame, seem to be mostly the garbage collectors, right? Because if you're not a fish, okay, scales, fins, okay, now you're a shark, okay, or you're a whale, or you're a crab living on the bottom of the ocean, okay? All those things are garbage collectors, okay? The, the whales, give me a break, okay? What do they do? They clean the ocean. That's what they do. They're really good at it. Same thing with sharks. You can watch a couple documentaries now about, you know, sharking and how that's actually ruining and destroying the ecosystem because less sharks means that the sharks aren't doing a good job of pulling out the uh, the bad fish out of the populations because what do they do? They're opportunist kind of predators. If you're weak, if you're slow, if you got a gimp, guess what? When the the, the whole thing scatters, you know, all your buddies, the weak ones get picked out. That's by design. It keeps them safe and strong. It keeps their body strong because the weak ones are there to ruin the whole herd. That kind of plays right into Torah completely. The people that aren't doing it, they're not in it. But the people that say they're of it, but they don't follow it, you get rid of them. So there's this there's this uh this tradition that's uh you know law of first mention. And so you know generally the first time something's mentioned in scripture this is Jewish thinking usually tells you the most about it. Right? And so the real they're like the first time you find like clean unclean is back in Genesis and um that's bear sheath Excuse me, I'm burpee tonight. It's over at Genesis 7. 7. And it's it's verse 2, but I want to read like 1 through one through 5. And Yahweh said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household. 
because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Someone just got claimed righteous. That's important, but we're going to continue. Of all the clean beasts, take with you seven pairs, a male and his female, and of the beasts that are unclean, two, a male and a female. So this is before Leviticus. This is at the beginning. We're only, we're like five chapters away from, you know, the creation of the universe. And already there's an understanding at Noah, okay? Noah, of clean and unclean beasts. That's, that's heavy. But no one teaches this stuff. How did they know without having Moshe? Because, I mean, I'm not, I'll get into it later. But, you know, that, that, that spirit of breath, you know, the breath of life that he breathes into man. I want to say that that's Torah. But we'll get into there later, 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 later. So, you know, you find out that at least like the first mention that there's there's a distinction that animals are clean and unclean. We don't we don't uh have a, a definition that they're clean or unclean to you, but they're just their state, the animal that it is. There's two types, clean and unclean animals. Right? And so the next mention I really want to go to now, wanna go to Leviticus four. I can't say this one right. Weyochai. I can't say it. It's Leviticus 4. 4.11. And so this is this is about like a, a specific slaughter. And the priest shall put, you know, blood of the horns, a slaughter place, sweet incense, etc. And that's at verse 7. But right at verse 11, okay, but the skin of the bull, this is something you're supposed to do with this offering, this bull offering, and all its flesh with its head and its legs, its entrails and dung, so apparently it pooped itself as well, all of the bull he shall bring outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn it on wood with fire. Where its ashes are poured out, it is burned. And so now you can find that there's, there's a distinction that places now Places can be clean. Not just animals, but now places. So that means there's also unclean places. If you were going to make the distinction that there's clean, there's also unclean places, right? And I think I think that thought comes back with us at 611 as well. Right? And it's talking about the priest. You know, he does stuff, but I'm just, I'm not really just cherry picking. I just want to just define the word in here. And he shall take off his garments and put on other garments, and shall bring the ashes outside the camp to a clean place, right? So places can be clean. That's interesting. Moving on. I'm going to go to uh, Leviticus 7, 19. And the flesh that touches that which is unclean is not eaten. It is burned with fire. And as for clean flesh, all who are clean eat of it. So now people, people have a state of Tame and Tahor because the clean people get to eat the clean thing. Interesting. 
And now we're going to get to to Leviticus ten ten. And th this one, this one, it's it's really powerful. And I'm gonna I'm gonna intro it at verse nine. So we just kind of you know, or excuse me, at verse eight. And Yahweh spoke to Aharon saying, "Do not drink wine or strong drink." you nor your sons with you when you go into the tent of appointment. Lest you die. A law forever throughout your generations. So never are they allowed to have wine or strong drink before they enter the tent appointment. So as to make, this is important here, to make a distinction between the set apart and the profane and between the unclean and the clean. So there's a real, there's like, there's a, distinction now being made that there is certainly clean and unclean. So I'm going to move on. Yeah, Leviticus 12 verses 7 through 8. And this is this is an offering. And he shall bring it before Yahweh and make atonement for her. That's the priest again. And she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the Torah for her who has given birth to a male or female. And if she is not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One is a sending offering and the other is a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. Now, I don't know. I'd have to read a little bit, you know before this to understand if you know is this because she gave birth or she's just being cleansed of like like you know aunt Flo not sure but what's interesting here is that it it can be she can be atoned like someone else can do it for her and he makes her yeah she shall be clean right he make atonement for her and then that's going to, I want to move to 13, yeah, 13, six. And this is talking about like a, like a infection of skin and stuff. And the priest shall look at him again on the seventh day and see if the infection has darkened and the infection has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is a scab and he shall wash his garments and be clean. So there's like things you're supposed to do. Like, like a state, you know, like to get you in and out of, you know, Tame and Tahor, right? And so I want to move into numbers now. And this is, this is going to be the first, I think this is the first, like if then, right? So it should be uh, numbers 528. Dang. There we go. Yeah, see, this is this is about a jealousy offering, right? Okay. But if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean, so if she's clean and has not defiled herself, then she shall be clear and shall conceive children. This is the Torah of jealousy when a wife turns aside from under her husband and defiles herself. 
So now it's like you have to be clean and this other thing. Now you can have children. According to jealousy. I'm I'm not familiar with that enough to instruct on it. But that's like a if then now. Now you now you already have to be clean. 913. But the man who is clean and is not on a journey has failed to perform the Pesach, has failed to perform the Pesach. Pesach. That same being shall be cut off from among his people because he did not bring the offering of Yahweh at its appointed time. That man bears his sin. So now even if this guy is clean, you know, but he forgot to to bring an offering for Pesach, right? Or perform the Pesach, right? He's he's cut off. Even if he's clean. So being clean isn't enough. You still have to be doing what he says. Moving on. Numbers 18, 11 through 13. Uh, 18, 11 through 13, yeah. This is also yours. The contribution of their gift with all the wave offerings of the children of Israel. I have given them to you and your sons and daughters with you as a law forever. Everyone who is clean in your house eats it. So now you can have unclean people in your house, but you can be clean next to unclean people. Interesting. Seems like it, right? 19.9 through 19. And a clean man shall gather up the ashes of the heifer. Oh, this is, this is the red heifer, isn't it? Yep. This this super thing and shall place them outside the camp in a clean place and they shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for the water for the uncleanness it is for cleansing from sin and he who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his garments and unclean and is unclean until evening and it shall be a law forever to the children of Israel and the sojourner who sojourns in their midst he who touches the dead of any human being is unclean for seven days he is to cleanse himself with the water on the third day and on the seventh day, he is clean. But if he does not cleanse himself on the third day, then on the seventh day, he is not clean. Anyone who touches the dead of a human being and does not cleanse himself defiles the dwelling place of Yahweh. And that being shall be cut off from Yisrael. He is unclean for the water uncleanness was not sprinkled on him. His uncleanness is still upon him. This is the Torah when a man dies in a tent. All who come into the tent and all who are in the tent are unclean. Right? For seven days. Yep. And every open vessel which has no cover fastened on it is unclean. So the whole place is getting defiled. <laughs> Anyone who is in the open field who touches someone slain by a sword who has died or a bone of a man or a burial site is unclean for seven days. And for the unclean being, they shall take some of the ashes of the heifer burnt for the cleansing from sin and running water shall be put on them in a vessel and take them. And a clean man shall take hyssop and dip it in water and sprinkle it on the tent and all the vessels and all the beings who are there or on the one who touched the bone or the slain or the dead or a burial site. 
and the clean one shall sprinkle the, the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day, and on the seventh day he shall cleanse himself and shall wash his garments and bathe in water and shall be clean in the evening. So now unclean people need a clean person to come clean them. Wow. That's good to know. Last one here for like the uh, the Tanakh. Uh, chapter 31, verses 23 through 24. Oh, excuse me. I'm going to start at 22. Only the gold and the silver and the bronze, the iron, the tin, and the lead. Every object that passes through fire, you put through the fire, and it shall be clean. Only let it be cleansed with the water for uncleanness. And whatever does not pass through fire, you pass through water. And when you shall wash your garments on the seventh day and be clean, afterwards come to the camp. So now you find out at the very end that not only water cleanses or cleans, but or blood, like you get sprinkled on you or something, you know, at the beginning. You know, you got your offerings. But also fire. So when there's, you know, that baptism of fire, you know, where you get you get tried. That's burning those unclean things off you. It's getting you to some a better place where Father can work with you. And so I wanted to really kind of jump into um, Matthew. Over here, Matthew verses 8, excuse me, chapter 8, verses 2 through 3, which is also confirmed with Luke at chapter 5, verses 12 through 13. I'm not going to read uh, Luke. Yeah. And see, a leper came and bowed before him, saying, Master, if you desire, you are able to make me clean. And stretching out his hand, Yeshua touched him, saying, I desire it. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. This one's this one's like really deep. If if you really believe, if you truly believe that Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, if he's the embodiment of what Torah is, if he is the walking talking Torah, Torah can make you clean. Because now you know what is and isn't. That gets missed, right? Oh, I just need Jesus. But what does that mean, right? He is Torah. Gosh. I don't know why it took me so long to figure this out. Not called yet, right? <laughs> just not called at the right time. His time. Okay. And then uh, chapter 23. Verses 25 through 26, and Matthew still also confirmed with Luke chapter 11, verses 39 through 41. I'm still just going to read uh, Matthew, right? Met, met, excuse me, Matthew. Woe to you, <laughs> scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are filled with plunder. In unrighteousness. 
blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish so that the outside becomes clean too. And so now this, like, okay, now Messiah drops like the freaking atom bomb on this. Now you, as a person, you have two of them, two states. And your body has two states. Your body, physically, clean or unclean, touch the dead thing. Okay. But now your mind. You get the outside. He says the Pharisees got it. They nailed that. They got the outside clean. Their body, woo, nailed it, guys. Good job. But y'all missed the most important part right there in the middle. You're right there, right? The inside, the nugget, creamy center. The spirit of what he's trying to teach you, his laws, his instructions. That's what that is right there. And I think I'm going to finish out here in Revelation 19. Yeah. See here. Yeah. Revelation 19 verses 8 through 9. Oh, excuse me. I'm gonna I'm gonna read ahead. It's ahead. Sorry, wrong verse. Seven seven through nine. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him praise. Capital him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has prepared herself. So now you're gonna get married to Torah. And to her it was given to be dressed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is righteousness of the set-apart ones. So that fine linen that you're supposed to be dressed in, supposed to be clean and bright. And that fine linen is righteousness of the set-apart ones. That's us. That's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be righteous. How do you become righteous? You do what's right. Simple. Basic. You know, when I first started, I thought, well, you know, the kind of easier way to figure out food was that, of course, you just wouldn't let anything enter your body. You would only let what you consider food enter your body. But still, that's not that's not the right understanding. I, I'm pretty sure I explained that that quite well. It's not even it's not even talking about that. <laughs> you know, shoot. But this, this is, this is like, this is where you start to really start that walk, really get into it. Try to understand these things, what he has an expectation of, what you know, and then you're no longer ignorant of it. You have to follow through with it. It's really basic. It really is. It's super simple. Stuff's not that, that hard. I don't know why everybody has such a hard aversion to it. I guess that's just, that's just, you know, thoughts for later on really just talking that one out. But this is, this is how I resolved um, food specifically. And, the, and food was the big one for me 
Because if I could figure that one out, which I thought at the time, you know, was slam dunk, boops, right there, dude, Mark, look at him. Then I'm really going to be wrong in everything else because not everything else is very cut and dry. You know? It's, it's not. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll do another one on, on, you know, the pagan days. Because there's really only three things you're commanded, like festivals, to like observe. You know, there's other traditions, and traditions are okay as long as you don't raise them to God level. Where you go, hey, how come, how come you're you're not lighting, you know, your your menorah? You're not doing Hanukkah with us, right? Like, like you're shaking your fist at them. Why not? That's wrong. You got to do it in the fruit. So I hope this was was helpful. I know it's really good for me because I can come back to this and just just listen to it. And I can, you know, I can send this to um send this to my kids, you know, and and <laughs> when they have questions now, they can just, you know, Dad, you said this. And so I th- I think it's gonna be really good. So I really appreciate anybody that's that's made it this far. And uh thanks for listening.